0: Winter trees on a North Coast headland that drops into Merloch Bay, asking mystical questions, the serenity of their gentle sway. And I'm fascinated by the mystery: Did God peer down, then bending, Pencil sketch them in the cloak of darkness, or in the distraction of a sun descending? They are so skillfully shaped like dancers, so brilliantly and beautifully bent, and I'm sure there ain't no shortcut, but a long, slow, consistent dent. And what of my life's landscape? Do I stand there the shape of intrigue, evidence of what can't be seen like these winter trees? What of my life's landscape? Do I stand there the shape of intrigue? Evidence of what can't be seen like these winter trees. Ophelia, we've mentioned her before, or Brian, who I heard a bit in the middle of the night. I'm not sure whether Brian's just not sure when they arrive or not. But these storms that we've had, and um, we looked out and saw the trees and you see the wind, and and the, and the wind of an affilia, or some of those that I mean. Let's be honest; it's not really what they were getting in the in the Caribbean or off the the south coast of uh, the United States. But these winds, when you see them, well, you don't see them. You see they're a fact. Can rip up trees and throw trees around. And we looked out. It has to be said on Sunday night we looked down into the garden of the Mance and I'm going. Is there anything chained down there? Because there's all kinds of things that could come through our back window tomorrow morning of Ophelia really hits. You don't see it, but you see its impact. And yet I think Ophelia, hurricanes, tornadoes, I'm not sure that's the way the Holy Spirit works in general. In my poem, I suggest it that those beautifully shaped trees up above Merloch Bay on, I'm not being down in Newcastle, I'm not going to climb any mountains, I'm up in Ballycastle and we've gone round the coast and you look across and there's these trees, particularly in the winter, beautifully shaped and bent, not by Ophelia, but by the daily, weekly, breezes blowing in off the sea. That has shaped them in a certain way We didn't see that wind It happened over time But the impact Wonderful So what of my life's landscape Do I stand there in the shape of intrigue Is that slow consistent Dent of the Holy Spirit Over the last nearly 40 years Having any impact On my life on our lives, on this community's life. Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit, I love these words. I use them endlessly. My friend, Al Emerson, who'll be here in a few weeks to talk about his uh, book, Luminous Dark, uh, he um, has them in Hebrew. Um, uh, on his arm, even though, um, well, he he has the Hebrew for wind on his arm, Um, not this verse, but the verse that that, um, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus was was the verse that he and his first wife, um, Lindsay, set out in their lives together for before Lindsay was sadly taken from them. But we love this verse. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And you need to stop and realize that he's not talking about the wind. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about those born of the Spirit. We will be those who blow about where nobody knows and is unpredictable and surprising. And I guess as we look at the church worldwide, maybe today in the world we live in, we need to ask, are we unpredictable? Are we blown across in surprising ways? Is the world constantly shocked by what we're up to next? Because it seems that that's what Jesus might have been suggesting here as he spoke to Nicodemus about those who would be born of the Spirit. Seems to me that to be born of the Spirit, let me just set this in context because I'm looking at the clock and I'm racing against the clock here. But what we're doing, for those who are visitors and those who maybe haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we're into a series called 1010, which is John 10, verse 10, life in all its fullness in 10. I'm going to try and do it in 10 passages of Scripture. What is it like to live the Christian life in 10 passages of Scripture? So number one, we looked at the invitation, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. There's the opportunity. There's the invitation. There's what we're invited into. Then how do we connect with that? Well, we, we pressed on the icon of uh, grace through faith to open up this world through God's grace taken hold of by faith so that we could live this life in all its fullness. And last week then, we were connecting upward in our poetic imagery because the idea of upward, Michael was just praying before the service and he was rightfully saying that God's not somewhere up there in heaven, uh, that he's all around us, which is true. But we have this poetic um, image of God being a vertical relationship. We pray up to God. We send our prayers up to God. So we're using it as that image, even though he's all around us. Uh, God is here with us, etc. So we were looking up, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the priority of the life of those who want to live 1010. And I suppose today then we're looking at the inward. The Holy Spirit comes to change what's going on within us. What Ed was reading from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit on a day that we remember harvest, a day we sing about harvest, a day uh, that we reflect on the harvest that's here, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working within us. And it seems as, as I pondered um, the fruit of the Spirit this week, um, you could do that thing where let's take nine weeks and let's go through them all and look at them all individually. And I'm not sure actually that that's as helpful as to try and take uh, the sweep of what Paul's trying to say here at the end of Galatians chapter 5. Because it seems to me that what he has here in Galatians 5 that Ed has read to us is, the, the, is this one thing which is almost the, and I've come up with a new word i, I my family are used to me just coming up with words what did you say dad I said I can't remember I made it up so I can't remember what the word is Um, but intuitivity intuitivity is a word I've been using on my notes this week intuitivity I don't think it exists but it's to be intuitive in an active kind of really active way Um, and so there's a there's there's two things happening in this passage there's the the intuitive human who lives for self the intuitive that really we're, we're, most of us are really trying to think how can we get on? And, uh, and there's this default position within us that um, if, if I spoke about the twins who are now out somewhere at the back. Um, I'm sure Ruth and David wouldn't mind me, and I, I haven't asked them about this, but I'm sure they would rightfully tell me that nobody taught the twins how to have a wee fight with each other, but as soon as they could get the chance to fight with each other, they had a wee fight with each other over whatever it is they can fight about because that's just intuitively within us. There's a default position that nobody has to teach us that I keep saying. Nobody goes in primary one and says to the kids, now, if something goes off in the playground, here's how you fight with each other. In fact, it's the opposite. We're constantly trying to teach against that it's a counterintuitivity, to be counterintuitive. We're constantly trying to go against the default. And it seems to me in this passage, Paul's given the one. And then what he's saying is, he's saying now, if we have this 10-10 life, if we have uh, entered into this new connection with the divine through uh, faith and by, by God's grace, then there's going to be a counterintuitive thing happen within us. It's going to be different than that. There's going to be a different way to live. And inwardly, you're going to start thinking about the world differently. And I've got to acknowledge, and I think I would have, sir, if you hadn't walked in, but uh, Joanna, who I married yesterday, um, uh, um, her, her father walked in there, I think, a little bit earlier. And, um, and, and the speech last night at the wedding, I was sitting going, I could do with something for tomorrow morning's service, but you're not likely to get it you're not likely to get in a wedding service speech. But oh, no, 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 Donald was, was right on it because he was talking about something within his daughter Joanna that was a kind of a way to look at the entire world. Uh, an inner something that allowed us to have a perspective in the world that is different than most people see the world. And I think the fruit of the Spirit is that. The Holy Spirit works within our lives to rip up how it is And to give us a chance to see how it can be. And so you go to Philippians chapter 2. Which was actually uh, read at the wedding yesterday. And you see this God coming to earth to give himself for others. Be like that. That's the call. Follow me. We've thought about that in the first few Sundays of this series. It's a different way of seeing the world. It's a different way of acting in the world. And if, if you don't mind, I'm going to use a Frederick Bickner quotation here. That um, it's his definition of sin. He's an American novelist, um, uh, Presbyterian minister, uh, writes both novels, spiritual memoir, and various different things. Uh, Frederick Bickner has written something about sin that, when I was looking at it this week, I think. This is a really good commentary on the immorality, the impurity, the debauchery, the adultery, the witchcraft, the hatred, the discord, the jealousy, the fits of rage, the selfish ambition, the dissensions, uh, uh, envy, and the like. Here's what he says. Sin tends to push everything outwards towards the periphery. Other people, God, the world, society, nature, as Graham was talking about, we push away nature by saying, "Well, unless that cucumber's the right shape, we're not going to sell it in our shops," and we get rid of it. Then celebrate a harvest. Sin pushes away towards the periphery: people, God, world, society, nature, and whatever you call the greater part of the greater of what you're a part of. Sin is whatever you do or fail to do that pushes them away, that widens the gap between you and them and also the gaps within yourself. So this default position that the twins would have kicked into, that my daughters kicked into, that I, I didn't kick into because I had no brothers and sisters, so it was a wee while before I could fight with my cousin. But, uh, but it was there. Paul and I used to go off all, over a Siberian much. Nobody had to tell us. We just went off on it. That default that pushes away, that causes gaps within our relationship with other people, also causes gaps within ourselves and our relationships with God. This is the default almost. And what Paul's saying here, among many, many other things in Galatians 5, is that when the Holy Spirit comes and blows through our lives, With that long, slow, consistent daily dent, we get a different way of looking at the world. We get a different way of looking at ourselves. We get a different way of looking at other people. We have a different way of looking at God and nature and society. And we start to live a life that the Holy Spirit blows through, creates within our lives, that closes the gaps, that closes the gaps that heals the gaps and the wounds and the open sores, that sews the fabric of society back together again. Think about it. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which I had to look up, patient tolerance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things... These things close the gaps. These things reach out to others. These things close the gaps within ourselves and people, within ourselves and God, within ourselves and society and nature, and whatever we see is the greater part that we live in. And so the Holy Spirit blows through to change our perspectives, to give us a new way of looking at the world. If we went back to last week, it was looking at Leviticus chapter 19, where it first said, love your neighbor, that Jesus picked up when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. And if you read that passage, it's just this wonderful passage of love and joy and kindness and faithfulness and peace. Because the whole passage is about how, in the light of loving God, we love our neighbor. In the light of keeping God's commandments is not so that, oh, we have to do things or not do things, it's so that the world closes the gaps. The fabric of society is healed. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to every edge of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner, I am the Lord your God, even in the way they did the harvest was not just about self and getting the barn stored up, but it was to leave something in the fields for those who were around the fields who needed the poor, who needed something to get by on in our kindness and in our love that we will be able to make a difference to our neighbor. Leaving something I went to do a thing with John Bell in Glasgow once, and it was a Catholic girl from mid Ulster and me going to talk about being a Protestant, a Catholic in Northern Ireland. And she told me that when she went out on a Sunday, her parents would say, now that's a Protestant farm, because look how tidy it is. And I'm thinking, the Catholics saying that, not the Protestant. You can understand us being sectarian and bigot towards them, but that was what she said. And I'm thinking, do you know, the way God wanted it, it wasn't really a Protestant farm. You had to leave stuff lying around so the poor people could come in and fix it up. They could come in and take away the gleaning Because it's pragmatic When the Holy Spirit comes to give us The fruit of the Spirit within our lives It's not some lovely adornment Like those lights That the girls put on in our house At Christmas And every night off they are in bed And I have to walk around and go Where does that switch come from Or how does that come off Or that? Oh it's lovely and adorned And there's lovely wee sparkly lights Above the windows the fruit of the Spirit is not that kind of thing. It's not so as, oh, look at us, we've got this fruit of the Spirit in our lives. These are pragmatic, practical ways that we, that close, we close the gap, the, that we, 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 we take the fabric of our society and we sew it back together again. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Graham said that his dad knew that whether he sewed or didn't, well, he had to sew, but when he sowed, it needed God to bring about the change in the earth, to bring the harvest. And so this fruit of the Spirit, this other way to live, this 10-10 life, we believe, those of us who've gathered in a community today, of faith that it can't happen no matter how hard I try to make it happen. We need the Holy Spirit blowing through our lives. We need the grace of God to finish the work that he begins with us when we take hold of that invitation to life in all its fullness. We can't follow God on our own. We can't follow the ways of Jesus on our own. We are dependent on God leaving the Holy Spirit in our lives that we might be gap closers. And I imagine Graham's father would tell you if he was here that God wasn't very good at picking the potatoes at the end of it. He was great at giving the growth. But he wanted to work with us on the project, and so I think this morning that in this part of the deal on the ten ten, the Holy Spirit wants to sweep through our lives with a whole new perspective. Wants to grow within us all, all these things that are in Galatians nine, for a or Galatians five, for a pragmatic purpose that we would be gap closers. This morning in this church there is a harvest already here because the unity pilgrims from Clonard have come across the gap and have worshipped with us. In Northern Ireland our sin has been great at pushing the other out. Pushing the other out. They can live in west and we live in east or south and north. And right amongst us today at this service we have the Clonard Unity pilgrims Said by the Holy Spirit And the vision of Father Jerry Who sensed the Holy Spirit saying Go out and go close, out the gaps. close the gaps Go out, go out and, and love, love And be and joyful and faithful and, faithful and, faithful and, gentle. and gentle With your brothers and sisters It's just one example But how are we going to do it in the next week Where is the shape of intrigue in our lives Where are the things that we're going to do That people are going to go What are you doing that for Where did that come from? That's really not the way we intuitively do things in this earth. Where we are out there as particles of light, as seeds sown from this worship service today, to close the gaps. To close the gaps between us and other people. To close the gaps between us and God, us and society, us and nature. The Holy Spirit longs to blow through And to bring this fruit of the Spirit within our lives, one fruit, all aspects, a harvest within us as individuals, a harvest within us as a faith community, so that we might be gap closers and lovers of neighbor in the world that we live in. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray your Spirit would blow through our lives as individuals. And as a faith community. And that you would give us the energy. You would give us the strength and resilience. You would give us the love. You would give us the joy. You would give us the peace. The forbearance. The kindness. The goodness. The faithfulness. The gentleness. And the self-control. To go from here into our wider society. And instead of causing gaps between us and others that by your spirit we would be those who are formed into gap closers, fabric sewers, to become those who in loving our neighbor would bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We offer ourselves for such a thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.